Hi, it's Jeff Pagano here from Harpen on Rugby, recording this intro just after the Irish team was named to play Romania, so the tournament is so close now you can almost touch it. So I thought I'd release this bonus episode on the pod just in case you're not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, where over the past few weeks a host of Harpen contributors have been sharing their thoughts on Ireland's options for each of the 15 starting green jerseys. Now, we did these in kind of a random order. Over the past few weeks, I've allowed my guests to choose the number they wanted to cover. So for my pod listeners, I thought I'd rearrange them into a 1 to 15 order to give you the full picture. Plus, it's a good way to show just how many quality contributors we have for Harp and Pods over the coming season. I'll introduce each one as we go. And what a better place to start with number one, which was chosen by Connor Cronin. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> without trying to be funny, it's the one I've played in most myself this year. Uh, obviously, not at that level. Um, so it's a role I'm just a little bit more familiar with than than others at the moment. Um, I think just taking this game in, in isolation, um, I think David Kilcoyne will watch this match back and cringe at a few moments, not least of all the first scrum of the first half and the last scrum of the first half, both of which uh, were penalties to Italy and both of which uh, were ping, pinged on him, basically. Um, I think if you look at the entire front row, I want to I, I want to put two clips together. I want to put a little clip of that first scrum versus uh, what I think was the last scrum of the game. I have to double check. Um, and just the difference in how the, the, the two scrums react. And... I know in, in that last scrum in the second half, uh, Tyke Furlong was getting a lot of the credit for that. Um, but I think that's mostly down to camera angles. I think so mostly the fact that that's the side of the, of, that's the side of our scrum you can see is his. And you can't see Keen Healy on the other side driving the same kind of force through on their tight head that, that, that Furlong's putting on the loose head that we can see. Um, I think... I say, I think Kilcoyne didn't have his best day in green. Um, I still think he'll probably go to the World Cup. Um, I'm not sure who'll go ahead of him if he doesn't. Uh, but I think in a situation where you're picking your top two uh, loose heads for the big game, whatever that big game may be, I think we'll be looking at Andrew Porter and Keen Healy for those two jerseys. Um and I think just again, just just looking at look just looking at the scrum, you know, we've got players who can carry all over the pitch. And it's great when your props can carry and when your props can pass and they can do those things well as well. And we're kind of expecting that they can do, do those things well. And we've seen well, again, keeping just this match in isolation. Um, you see a lot of good from Kilcoin, you know, you see him protecting rooks, you see him uh getting around the park, you see him running, you see him doing all the things you want him to see him doing, except at scrum time. Um, I think, you know, against Romania, would I be worried? No. Against South Africa, I would. I'd be very concerned if, um, if, if he hasn't worked on it between now and then, which I've no doubt he will. And I, and, you know, I say that like, I'm going down to give him advice tomorrow or something. But I think for me, just seeing those penalties given uh, when, when you know that our scrum is definitely better than that. 
Um, and look, as, as has been pointed out, first game in a while for fellas, but your scrum is your bread and butter. And I, I don't mind seeing a scrum where we're just nice and solid and everything's okay and the ball comes in and the ball comes out and there's a little bit of shoving and nudging around the place, but you secure your own ball. But I don't want to see penalties being given away at scrum time by any Irish team. Um, I mean, like I, I watched, and even in in the first half, there's uh, there's those two I mentioned. There's another one at 35 minutes, I think it was, where the entire front row pops up. That's concerning as well. Um, but just focusing on the number one position, let's see the basics done right. Everything else will follow. And now we move on to the hooker position covered by a contributor new to Harpen Rugby this season, Jay Long. So, look, I mean, this is this a time of, of picking. This probably would have been the same mindset as Tom. It's, it, I think at this stage, it's it's an obvious choice, I think. And and, and his name is Dan Sheen. Um, obviously, the, the, the injury concerns on the on the, on the, the previous England game um, may cost a bit of a shadow with that. But, I mean, looking back over, going back as far as the um, the kind of New Zealand tour, uh, the kind of t- the main three names that get some combination of 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 Sheen Kelleher and Herring, um, and with with Kelleher who obviously has massive massive potential, but but his injury profile is is working against him, um, and and Herring is is rock solid, but I think at this stage it's it's, it's pretty clear that that, that Dan Sheen's a different animal, um, the impact he has, his dynamism is is, is pretty incredible. So um, given given that we don't we don't technically uh, no, if 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 Dan's okay, we're still at the time of recording. We're still awaiting the the results from from the scan. I suppose when when folks listen to this, um, they'll either be happy, you know, sm- smiling or crying at this stage. But um, looking at that, I, I guess Stewart is the other Tom Stewart is the other man in camp, and and Dermot Dermot Barron has been has been called up for uh, for for training a couple of weeks ago. Now he was called in when Conway was called in, um, a couple a couple of weeks ago, um, and judging by the logic, if we think that that um, um. That Andy is happy with with Tom Stewart, who who was a relative, quote unquote, kind of rookie, um, who who had a strong emerging island tour and a really really strong URC season. Um, you could take those two criteria and apply it to Darren Barron as well, right? He he, he started in a, a semi final in the URC that, that that never happened, um, and he started in the URC final against a pretty pretty mean Stormers pack, right? So, um, it, you you would think that that Dermot Barron would be the quote unquote fourth man um, I think we're probably only going to be bringing three hookers um, so so that's probably going to be Herring Kelleher and and, and Stewart should Dan Sheehan be, be injured but um, if uh, all going well I think it's, it's it's pretty obvious that Dan Sheehan is the the first man on that list if not if not the first name on the team sheet nearly um, and then and then probably it's it's a mix between um, Kelleher and Herring for, for for the man on the bench and I wouldn't be particularly happy or, or sad to see either. I think Herring's been very, very solid. He came on New Zealand and he killed off that New Zealand tour for us with a fantastic try. Um, yeah, we're re- again, another position that we're lucky to have such just very, very talented people in. Um, but unfortunately, we, we kind of have two concerns at, at the moment, I suppose, Kelleher. Um, there's question marks about him. We haven't seen him. Uh, to date, in 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 the warm up games at all, um, so we don't know what kind of nick he's in, um, but yeah, fingers crossed, Dan Sheen's uh, Dan Sheen by the time we get to the World Cup. Most contributors only covered the one jersey, but Connor Cronin got a second go, and having already done one side of the front row, it made sense that he went for number three this time. I have never 
seen the number three jersey looking as healthy as it does right now. You know, you think back to Tom Court against England and the disaster that he had in that particular game and, and players getting shoved back because we didn't have our first choice tight head. And now if, and, and touch wood and everything else, if something were to happen to our first choice t- tight head, we've got two fellas just waiting to come in to do a really, really decent job. Like I, Mark mentioned earlier, Finley Bealham has just had the season of his life this year. He has played better than I think maybe a lot of us expected. I think maybe a lot of people thought, you know, okay, we've got one tight head who's here and we've got another one who's kind of here and we don't. We've got one who's here and maybe one who's here you know, and a third one then who's just a little bit below that in Tom O'Toole. Um, before this weekend, I would have been looking saying, at worst, you could always put Keen Healy over there and he'll do a job. Or, you know, you could put Andrew Porter there and he'd do a job, uh, which I don't think will happen now based on Healy's injury that, that Porter will be asked at any stage on the loose head side. Um, but it's it's amazing that the quality that we've had coming through over the last few years. And it's a credit to the coaching systems they have in their own provinces as well, that these players are making those big steps up, that they're improving at that level. Um, it's it's the healthiest we've been in in my lifetime at, at three. Uh, it's, it's one position that I don't think, you, know, you look at the entire squad and where previous World Cups you might have worried I, I'm not concerned in the same way I would have been at all yeah you're worried when they go up against the bomb squad whenever they come in um, but only because you know that, that there's a lot more pressure and a lot more force when those players come on than maybe we might get in a couple of other teams but I think just for, for sheer ability We've got three players now chosen for the squad who are, without doubt, three first-choice tight ends in the country. And there's no argument about it at all. Um, they've all earned their place there. I'm looking forward to seeing what all three of them can do. You know, we saw we saw a good example at the weekend of Bielham. You know, the, the first few scrums weren't brilliant, but for the most part, he locked out our scrum and he gave us what we needed on his side. Um, you know, you, you get moments where players slip in wet weather, and again, that's technique he can work on, or whatever else, or longer studs that he can put on the, the boots. But um, I think the work they do, and it's not just it's not it's not just the scrum either; it's the other work they do around the park. You know, um, you look back to the Six Nations and and inside offloads, to your fullback, you know the. It's it's unheard of in the past, um, but it, it's quality hands. They've all got this ability to put themselves about. And again, like Mark was saying with six, you know, certain players do certain things a little bit better. But you know, I think Tom O'Toole is better at getting himself around the park and doing that kind of work. Um, where Bealham will be better at just keeping focused on keeping where he's meant to be and finding the right rook to be uh, to be supporting or to be hitting or the right line to be taking 
Um, so it'll be a case of what's needed for what game uh, when when selections are being made. But I'm, saying I'm, not, I'm not concerned at that role at all. And it's a really happy place to be that we have that depth. You know, in, in previous years where you might have only taken five props to the World Cup, and you'd have been worried and you'd have been hoping that somebody could play both sides. We're taking six props to the World Cup this year and three loose and three tight. And I think we're, we're in good stead. Our options for the number four jersey were ably covered by the man, the myth, the legend that is Mr. Neil Kigo Keegan. So it's, a, it's an interesting position. Uh, and obviously with the news of our uh, former friend, uh, Jean Klein, uh, going, going back home and, you know, again, fair play to him. Look, we can't, we can't really give out about that considering the amount we've taken on using that rule. So fair play to him. Uh, but I do feel it's a, it's a position where we kind of had, uh, you know, we had O'Connell, O'Callaghan. We had, you know, uh, Dev Toner was in there. Uh, now we've got Ryan, we've got Henderson. We've got Baird. We've got Pro- Doris could probably do it. Jeannie Mack, Keith Darrells could nearly do it. He's doing everything. So I think it's great to watch uh, how the lineout works with the different personnel. So last week, um, last week we had, who did we start? Byrne and uh, Ryan last week against England. Uh, and it was interesting to see how they navigated the lineout. This week we've got Henderson captaining uh, and who, uh, Henderson and Byrne. Byrne's Bear, with Byrne. him this week. Yeah, he's going to yes. five. Yeah. I think so versatility is kind of the key. And, and if you look at the, the level of ball playing ability in that second row, uh, specifically over on the four position, but everywhere, it's really, really spectacular. Uh, we've seen them kick, pass, tackle, everything. Um, and, and with that, uh, we have extra options in the line-out. When the line-out works, we're going to see it under pressure and how they operate. But I, it's really, really impressive what Farrell and, and the guys have done uh, since King Joe uh, moved on, where they've really strengthened that, that second row where we've got back rowers who can jump in and vice versa. So, and everyone can play ball. So it's a really interesting spot. Uh, and it's great to watch when you're, you know, when you're watching, watching the screen, because I don't know a lot about the scrum or anything really. Uh, but when you're watching the line out, it's really interesting to see who's calling, who's making the moves, who's lifting. And, and it's, it's really, really great stuff. Since he goes by the moniker of the second row online, it was only fitting that Padre Kelly got number five. Ireland's options at five. I think it's fairly simple. It's going to be, it's Ryan uh, for his on-ball ability is, is improving this year. I think he's carrying, he's entering rocks very tenaciously, I want to say. I don't want to go, he's not quite a Scott Barrett, but he's definitely bringing that physicality to a role that he had lost. And I think his main backup at the moment is McCarthy. Just for the big lump of weight in the scrum that can help anchor down the tight head on that side. And for, I've never seen someone so young play with such strength. It's a bonus for, I think for Ireland that he's nicked those teething problems with, with his uh, penalty count coming down discipline. There's the word. Cause I can't, think um his discipline has improved immensely since uh, compared to what he has done for Leinster he is definitely for me second in line to the number five jersey I think himself and Ryan play that side because I, I need to leave Henderson and Byrne at four I, I think that's the split between the two second rows 
Ryan, for me, feels one of the leadership roles in the team. I think it's a, a, it's one of the spots that I do think Ireland miss Sexton and when he's not playing because of it. Uh, there's a lack of on ball on pitch leadership at times. Uh, maybe it's just someone shouting, and because Sexton shouts so much. He's there, but Ryan is very much a leader. You can see he galvanizes people on the pitch, especially in those group huddles. He does lead them. He is getting more confident year on year, which sounds mad to say because he came in quite confident. But I think there was a dip in his form and he's come back to something more of what he hit when he first came into the Iron team. His performance levels are slightly risen from that. He's brought a physicality, an edge, for want of a better term, into his on-field regular play, and but his lineup contributions are top quality. His set piece work is very good. I think Ireland's scrum is has its weaknesses, but I don't think it's due to him. I I think there's a few technical issues that we're just getting done by, and we can sort them out. I don't think there's a true second row issue there, especially with John McCarthy as his backup, who can be just a big lump if we're really worried. And we had Mark Jackson going over our options for number six. Yeah, I think on pure numbers, I think number six is our deepest position because you go from the guys that have played there. You got Peter O'Mahony, who's probably the incumbent. Uh, you got Jack Conan, who can play six. You've got Ty Byrne, who can play six. You've got Ian Henderson, who can play six. And you've got Caelan Doris, who has played six. Uh, I think all these guys have multiple caps in that position for Ireland, either starting or coming off the bench. And with a, with the depth that we've got there, you've got different options where you can almost go horses for courses if you want an extra line-out option. Do you pick Henderson in the second row and stick Byrne at six? Or, you know, Mahoney's a great line-out operator. Uh, Conan and Doris, if you're going for more of a carry-oriented game, uh, and if you're going for for a little bit more size, say against South Africa, you're probably looking at maybe somebody like Joe McCarthy could come into the reckoning on the bench as well, and then you could shift Burn to six. The starting pack is probably looking at O'Mahony, Doris, and Van der Fleer at the moment, with Burn and Ryan in the second row. And depending on who you pick on the bench, you can then experiment with different guys at, at six. Um, you know. Blindside is not just that enforcer these days. He's got to be an extra line-out option, which is almost always good for O'Mahony uh, to be involved in the 23. But I'd, I'd love to see a team with, especially against somebody like Scotland, where we need to take them on up front. You know, Scotland's strength is in the backs. You know, they've got a, a relatively light pack, and I'd like to see us go out with Joe McCarthy and Ryan in the second row and Burn at six, to be honest with you. I'd like to see us go at them up front, really take it to them in the tight and see how they can react to it because it doesn't matter how good your back line is. If you can't win any ball, it, uh, it doesn't have any effect. And I think six is a position where we might see a few guys, we might see in the first three games especially, you might see three different people uh, take that jersey. Our resident statistical wizard, Mr. Kean Rugby Kino O'Muller, covered jersey number seven. As the opening kickoff of the Rugby World Cup looms large, I'm going to take you through a canned bio of each of Ireland's options at OpenSide and then briefly discuss how I see them being used. 
Now, Josh van der Plyer, he's almost exclusively an open side flanker with a 100% start rate there last season across all competitions. He played in two of the warm matches for Ireland for a hundred total of 160 minutes. And his consistency and work rate make him the front runner at open side. Um, his tackling proficiency, rook work and carries off the line out are standout features of his game. Piero Manni is our versatile back row with uh, starts distributed as uh, 88% at blindside flanker, 11% at open side flanker and 1% at number eight. Uh, he also played in two of the moment matches for a total of 74 minutes. And Omani's leadership and experience are invaluable. While primarily a blindside, his adaptability means he can slot into the open side role when needed. Now, Caelan Doris, a back row dynamo with starts distributed at number eight, 62%, 35% a blindside flanker and 2% an open side flanker. Uh, that was during the warm-ups. Uh, he played in all three of the warm-up matches for a total of 171 minutes. And now Doris, primarily a number eight, offers a different dynamic when played at seven. His ball carrying and line-out abilities add another dimension to the Irish attack. Now, in terms of options, van der Fleer is the natural starting choice, given his natural fit for the role and proven ability. Expect him to start in the high-stakes matches and bring his relentless energy to the breakdown. O'Mahony is more of the tactical choice. Uh, in games where adding experience and leadership are paramount, uh, O'Mahony could be the go-to. His versatility means we'll likely see him as a superb bench option for when the game requires a bit of dog to see it out. Uh, now, Doris is the potential wild card. Uh, if Ireland opts for a more physical back row with an emphasis on ball carrying and line-out options, Doris could be a surprise pick. He's also a live option to start should anything happen to Van der Flyer, depending on how they want to balance the back row. Uh, now, this brings me to a point of concern about the lack of a specialist open side replacement. While Ireland boasts versatility with players like O'Mahony and Doris, the absence of a dedicated backup for Van der Flyer could be a potential bit vulnerability. In a tournament as demanding as the World Cup, ensuring depth in every position can make or break a team's chances. So while Ireland's primary options for the open side flanker position are strong, the lack of a specialist backup is a point to ponder. As the World Cup unfolds, it will be very interesting to see how this plays out in terms of Ireland's campaign. And rounding out the pack, we had Tom Coleman pouring over options for number eight. Well, I, I just wanted to, to skip this. When you give me the option of just try, trying to pick a player, I went for number eight, which... Uh, Caelan Norris because like it's the easiest decision to make and I wouldn't have to convince Manny that uh, Caelan Norris is our out and out number eight. Um, like he's central to a lot of Ireland's strike moves, which we didn't probably see a bit. And obviously we're holding maybe some back. You would hope, uh, for the World Cup, but it's, uh, he's a f- athletic freak that could sort of play. He showed in the previous game he could play seven like at a world class level. He reminded me of. Peter Steff to Teut from 2019, I thought his performance was that good in a position that he was not used to. Um, Yeah, he's just an outstanding player. Like, you know, world class is bandied around a lot in sport and in our sport that we spoke, speak about in rugby, well, Caelan Doris genuinely is. As Andy Farrell sort of joked the last time, he's sick of him getting man of the matches. I know Mac has got a few now as well, but... I joked online that it was a bit of a scandal that Doris only got 10 minutes to try and get man of the match when he came on in 78 minutes. And as Jay said, like, you know, to bring somebody of his quality on when England are sort of bet at this stage is a bit disheartening. Um, He's just, I know, it's just, uh, you don't have to delve too deeply into the technical side of it. He's just an outstanding player. And if Ireland are going to break hoodoos in the World Cup, he's going to be central to it. He's just, he's just some player. We're lucky to have him in green and blue. Um, so yeah, I I took the easy subject and just picked number eight. 
I didn't go through too complicated with trying to pick another position where there's a bit iffy. Um, but yeah, Caelan Doris, number eight for Ireland, um, play him in his best position. And I know he can switch to six, he can switch to seven now that we can see. Um, and given the back row makeup, where you know, Baird can play six or Byrne can play drop back in the six like he did. And Josh can obviously the seven, Peter can play seven, Doris can play seven. You have now Prendergast who played six and eight. Um, yeah, it's Ireland are in a good place, but but he is really central to 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 how we're going to do in the World Cup. Now it's time for the back, starting with Kyron Scully, who looked at jersey number nine. Um, scrum half for me is is a really weird one insofar as Jensen Gibson Park is our first choice scrum half. We all know that, but I actually think, and I've been hounded over the, saying this before in forums and groups and that but I actually think Connor Murray is more important to Ireland than Jameson Gibson Park is insofar as I I genuinely believe if we put the Tanzania tight head prop in about half for Ireland Connor could make him look alright but I think Jameson Gibson Park's game means he needs a certain type of 10 beside him and he looks better with that ter- type of 10. Certain players are like that that's fair enough. Like Jameson plays with tempo. He plays, you know, really fast, really quick rook speed suits him. You know, we've seen the stats about liking quick ball and all that. But I just think Connor's accuracy is a huge point of difference for him. We're talking about a man who's coming off the bench who will hit every pass. His kicking mightn't be what it was, but, you know, I take me back to the England game in Twickenham in 20, 2022. You know, Ireland pounding away at the line he makes a snipe he gives it to low Ireland score two phases later he hits a bullet of a pass to Jack Conan to put him over for a try I genuinely believe we're, we're almost sleeping on Conor Murray and his ability and his importance because as well as that the elephant in the room is Johnny Sexton is not getting any younger he may miss a <laughs> final or a semi-final and if that's the case Conor becomes so important because he's going alongside either Ross Byrne yeah he's played a lot of games for Leinster <laughs> But he's he doesn't have a huge amount of test experience, which is fair enough. It, it happens, and Jack Crowley doesn't have a huge amount of test experience either. I just think Connor is hugely important. Jameson Gibson Park would be the player that wins Ireland a World Cup, but I just think that Connor could also be just as important in winning that World Cup if we do it. And then, you know, you look at the lads in reserve. Keelan Blade is a very very good player who's had a very good season. But unfortunately, he he probably won't be going unless there's injury. And even at that, you know, some teams would consider bringing only two scrum halves. You know, some some will bring four, but I don't think we will. And Craig Gates, I've already talked about him. I think he's he's a wonderful player. And I think he's on the plane. But I just scrum half for me is interesting. I think we we're so nailed on and talking about Gibson Park and how good he is. And he's a very very good nine. I think he he starts for probably every Six Nations nation bar France to be honest but I think we're very lucky in that Conor Murray probably starts for England Wales Italy Gotland as well you know like that's that's kind of what we're talking about here I think it's a, it's a position of depth that we don't talk about because so often we look at you know Lucy prop and 10 you talked about last week the wings were talked about you know but like 12 I think we're we're actually have very good players there and I'd be very confident that if in a World Cup final against France, we're bringing up, you know, Ross Byrne or Jack Crowley alongside Conor Murray. 
that they can see the game out. And that is a great position to be in. And coming all the way from the very sunny ruck of Gibraltar, we had Mr. Rich Mifsud looking at number 10. Yep, the uh, the number 10 jersey. Um, well, you know, <laughs> there is one obvious contender who's, uh, who it seems is going to play uh, a training match against Portugal in the not-too-distant future. Uh, so Johnny Sexton obviously is 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 our number one uh, and will be until, until he retires. Um, so we're really talking about who backs him up. Um, and we have a couple of contenders. Um, one of them was on show yesterday, uh, in that first half and that's Jack Crowley, uh, a very, very good, uh, fly half, good decision-making good with the boots, both, uh, kicking from hand and kicking to posts, uh, getting our, um, are packed to play in the right areas, uh, you know, knowing when to come up to the line, when not to. So, you know, all, all, all the, uh, the whole range of skills that you would ex- expect from, from a fly half, uh, extremely young in years, but uh, with that very mature, um, he's uh, arrogant with a little A uh, and you want that from a, from a fly half. Um, as in very assertive, very controlled, you know, and arrogance is probably the wrong word to use, but it's, it's, it's the best one I, I can think of. Um, so very good in that, in that respect. Uh, obviously there is Ross Byrne, um, as well. We haven't seen him, uh, playing yet, uh, in this season. Um, we, into that mix, we also have to throw in the fact of the opposition that that we were playing, it's very easy when you've got a pack that is moving forwards to shine. Uh, let's see what that's like when when it shifts. Um, so, it at, at the moment for me, it's a toss up as as between both of them. I'd quite happily see both of them playing. I, I really, you know, much like Connor m- mentioned earlier, I really wouldn't have a problem with Jack Crowley starting ahead of of Ross Byrne in some of those matches much in the same way as I wouldn't have a problem with Ross Byrne starting ahead of, of Jack Crowley in any of those matches. The other good thing about this, of course, is that there are two different types of out-half. Uh, and I think that matters because then it gives you the variety of play. Ross Byrne, as we know, likes to play a bit deeper. Uh, and Jack Crowley has the ability to play deeper, but also play close to the line. As does someone we haven't even yet mentioned, which is Kieran Frawley. He too can can go forwards and and play deeper as, as he did yesterday, um, and indeed we had an interesting situation yesterday, and I, I, and I don't know whether that's was as a result of Jimmy O'Brien's um, injury or not, but we have one what on, on a couple of occasions that you know you need to appreciate that looking at it on on television is, isn't the same as being uh, at the ground. But there were there was a couple of occasions where we had the line, and then our two fly halves on the pitch. And this is in the second half, of course, were one either side. So we had the ability. We had basically we had two tens, and they were both equidistant from from the line of from from the offside line. Um, you know, so which which gives us options. This is when Jack Crowley. Uh, allegedly was playing uh, fullback, even though I think Keith Earls had moved back to allow him to move up. 
what 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 impressed me most, and I'll talk about that in, in when I talk about the second half, is the interchangeability of the players, uh, because there were, there was quite a lot of movement there. But anyway, sticking to to number ten jersey, um, I'm I think all f- well, definitely Johnny Sexton, uh, Jack Crowley, and Ross Byrne will be on that flight, and I really do think that Kieran Foley will go, not least because of his versatility, and he's a as Jack Crowley is. He, he too can play fullback. He too can play at 12, you know, and, and it's this versatility which is so important um, uh, for, for in, in a World Cup scenario. So from, and you know, we need to have an eye to the future because obviously John, this is Johnny's swan song. Um, I think we're in very good hands moving forwards. I really do. These players are only going to get better with, with experience uh, and with age. Uh, and they'll mature like good wines. So you know, and 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 obviously there's other people coming, pushing them, which is the the very important thing. Like young Master Prendergast, uh, you know. So yeah, I, you know, from being in a position where we thought, oh my God, who's going to take over Johnny? I think now we have quite a few options uh, coming up. Uh, not dissimilar to when what are we going to do when Rob Carney retires? You know, it, it, they just come along. The assembly line is uh, is in good working order. Number 11 was taken by Master of None pod host Stephen Murphy. And if Ireland are going to win the World Cup, the 11 jersey is James Lowe's uh, jersey. Uh, the man has done more than enough in my eyes and no one really has come close to challenging for it. Um, I think Lowe sometimes can get a bit of a bad shake or a bad... Uh, I don't know if he's a ton of... A lot of fans don't tend to like him. I don't know if that comes from you know not being born in Ireland and, and, and there's always a bit of bias towards that. Uh, but I think he's been phenomenal since he's came in. I think Stockdale obviously is a huge fan favourite, uh, and I totally I get that. Uh, but Stockdale, he doesn't, he doesn't do anything that Lowe does uh, better than Lowe does. I don't think. And like neither are defensively very good. I'm not going to sit here and say James Lowe is, is a defensive stopper, but he's a lot more physical than Stockdale. And I'm not going to harp on the, the missed tackle in the Italy game, but I, I, my issue with that is not that he didn't make the tackle, Stockdale. It was the attempt of the tackle. And I've seen that too many times with Jacob that it's not, it's almost like he doesn't want to go low and bust him. It, it's almost like, it's because look, nine times out of 10, that player is going to break through the tackle and score. You know, the angle, he's going full pace. It's 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 a tough tackle to make. But when you go high like that, it just leaves a sour taste in, play, in fans' in mouth a little bit where, you know, just at least make a decent attempt. I can live with that if you miss that tackle, hundred percent. But and and Lowe is not great that either. But Lowe is uh, is a big bigger man. He's a lot more physical in, in attack. I think he's incredibly incredibly dangerous. Um, a lot of Ireland's game plan now is revolved around his left foot. Um, I think that is a huge a huge plus from as well. Farrell seems to really trust him. And when you look at the other options again, no one really stands out. Like Keith Earls is a fantastic player. I know we can play both sides. But if we're relying on Keith Earls to try and help us win a World Cup, I'm not, I'm not in love with that. Uh, Jimmy O'Brien again. I think he's in, in break break glass in a case of emergency kind of player. If he's there for the Scottish group game, I'm okay with that. If it's France in the quarter final instead of France, I'm not in love with that. Uh, I think if Ireland are going to win the World Cup, which I hope they do, and I think they have a really good chance of doing, one a couple of key jerseys, and I think that Evan jersey is that one of those key jerseys, and I think James Lowe is vital to Ireland winning the World Cup. And for the number 12 jersey, we had proud Ulsterman Ian Frizzell. Jersey number 12. Um, we are uh, in a fantastic position where we've got uh, world-class players um, all vying for, for the number 12 jersey. 
Um, and I think um, Andy Farrell has shown um, that he is quite happy with uh, all three options uh, that he's got. Uh, and therefore, it comes down to um, who's performing best on the day, who's performing best in training, uh, who takes their chances when they get them. Um, we've all had this discussion over the last sort of two and a half years since since McCluskey was reinvented by by Andy Farrell and brought in back into the fold. Uh, and he's taken every opportunity that he has been given. He has taken it. However, he has still got the block of Henshaw and Ackby uh, in front of him or beside him, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, Taking Aki and Henshaw as the as uh, as the two better uh, uh, at this stage, uh, then it's a question of which one of those two uh, you, you feel is is best placed. Uh, I think where where we are with those, I think Farrell is in a fantastic position where it doesn't matter. He can play either one of them, and they perform very well outside them. Uh, and this was why I wanted to do 12 and 13 at the same time. <laughs> Outside of them, they have a world-class 13. Uh, and uh, obviously, we, we all keep our fingers crossed for, for all 33 players uh, that don't uh, cop any injuries. But certainly, uh, from a point of view of ring rows, his worth to the team is more than just playing at 13. Uh, but anyway, going back inside, all three have had their opportunities to play with ring rows. So there's no there's no question that they can't operate with ring rows, and he can mix and match then with uh, uh, taking ring rows out and giving Henshaw games at, at thirteen. Uh, Aki uh, played thirteen uh, with Stuart McCluskey. Maybe didn't per perform great, but it was a, probably you know the first time they were thrown together. It was due to an injury. They probably hadn't trained together to uh, to play twelve and thirteen. Um, so, but but they've done it and they've been, you know, reasonably successful at it. Um, I I think I think Ireland are going with four centres. That that's my gut feeling. Um, and obviously your 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 best is Aki and Henshaw at twelve. But I think McCluskey has a a role to play in this World Cup. Um, we have. Uh, with, with four games to play, uh, and uh, you know, would you would you you know would you be throwing Aki and, and and Henshaw into playing against the uh, you know your your Romania and and, and Tonga? Um, I don't think so. Yes, you have um, what you term as your hybrids or your utilities, uh, and you have the possibility of play, playing Crawley at, at twelve. Um, I don't particularly like that idea now that I see him as 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 our ten. I think Crawley is not going to be going as a hybrid player. Um, Ken Frawley might still be in the mix for that, and yes, you may see him uh, if if he goes. You you probably would see him slotting in at twelve. Um, but for me, and I hope I'm not waffling on too much. I, I think you're, you're you're taking Aki Henshaw and McCluskey as your 12s. The question is, um, I think for the 28th of, of August, are we 
1815 split or were you a 1914 split? If we go 1815, then I think you, you, you can do that. Possibly not if you're going 1914. Having allowed my contributors to pick their numbers, in the end there were just two left, so I decided to cover them myself, starting with Lucky for Some 13. One thing that has impressed me most about the career to date of Gary Ringrose is that although he reached senior level at almost the exact same time that Brian O'Driscoll retired, he has always been able to show that he plays the outside center position his own way, as opposed to trying to replicate his predecessor. However, one thing they do have in common is that neither really fits the mold of centers we've seen deployed by most test teams over the past decade, namely powerful ball carriers punching holes in defenses. What Leinster and Ireland have now primarily with Gary is someone on the other end of that hole punching, namely being the fulcrum of the defensive operation, along with his most frequent partner in the center, Robbie Henshaw. If I had time to spare or if someone was willing to pay me, I'd gladly spent hours pouring over footage, showing the two of them being the first to snuff out opposition first strike ball. Now, that's not to say they're the only pairing in the world that's able to do it. It's just that they've raised the bar and this ability has played a huge role in success avoid enjoyed by both blue and green over the years. And while we're on the subject of defense, I have heard one or two point to Gary's so-called missed tackles. And to them, I say, Whenever you see that in the stats, take the time to go back and look at the match in question, then come back and tell me how many of those tackles that he missed resulted in an actual line break. While I do say the Irish centers play a big role in our defensive structure, it can't function without a full team effort. And when someone like Ringrose makes a read and goes early for a ball carrier, if the guy does get beyond the tackle, much more often than not, he doesn't get a whole lot further. But of course, we also have to talk about what Gary brings to our attack. And here I reckon he could well be our most underused resource. This is clearly an Irish team that has been built around Johnny Sexton. And that, of course, makes perfect sense. But I reckon Ringrose is also someone who can be central to an overall strategy. For now, we've seen the best example of his quick decision making whenever a set move breaks down. If the ball goes to ground and ends up in Gary's hands, there's literally no better man in the game for getting his back on the front foot. And he always seems to know exactly what to do. Just imagine what he could accomplish if the majority of our attacking plays were designed to get that quick thinking ability deep into the opponent's backfield. Who knows, maybe we'll see more of that in the weeks to come. And it goes without saying that we also need options to wear that 13 jersey should Gary be unavailable. And there's no doubt we are well stacked in that department. Probably the best move would be to shift someone over that is likely to be wearing 12, like Henshaw or Bundiaki. We also have seen Jimmy O'Brien and Keith Earls do good work there. And hey, even Ross Byrne has put in a decent start for Leinster there once. But when it comes to the big matches, if Gary Ringrose is fit, then he has to get that jersey for me. And Kaylon Scully was another to get a second go at this analysis by dealing with number 14. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. I suppose, like... The number nine previously, I was talking about, you know, Conor Murray and his importance. And I, I stand by that. That's not anything that has changed since. But I think with number 14, like, there's a lot of positions nailed on, and that's one of them. But I firmly believe, and I've started to have this epiphany over the last two weeks, that everyone's talking about Penno and they're talking about Talea. They're talking about, you know, Mark Nawakanitawase down in, down in Australia. But I genuinely believe that that Mac Hansen is ready to take the world by storm. I think he he looks even more confident than he did before. He offers so much to that Irish team, which I'll get into in a minute, but he's just playing the game like a man who's, I don't know, his, his confidence is true. It's just plain and simple. He is trying things and they're working, so he's going to go and try it again. 
and you love to see that in a player. And I actually think, you know, you look at that crossfield kick for the Gary Ringlow's try against England. I, I was watching Hanson like a hawk for most of that game because of how good he was. You, you'd be at, attracted to him in, in your eye and watching him float around the field and he's just bossing and he's, he's on the money with things. But he knows, I'm going to try this and it's going to work. And that's what Ireland need. And like in terms of his role set, we're talking about a lad who, as a winger, he offers a kicking option. He doesn't have as big of a boot as James Lowe. I know you touched on James Lowe's clearing kicks before, Jeff, and it's not as long, but he he does get a, a reasonable distance. We've seen it in the Samoa game in particular in that one of those kicks led on. He goes, gets a good distance. He's very good in the air. Personally, this is why I'd like to see him at fullback because I think he's all the hallmarks of being a good fullback as well as wanting to play there, which, you know, is is helpful because some players don't want to play fullbacks. It's like playing a goal sometimes. His, you know, his distribution is is really, really solid. It's probably something that doesn't get talked about enough. We we talk about, oh, he stands in a first receiver. It's like, no, he's a he picks the right options. He, you know, he gets good lines running off him and he's picking good passes and he just links things up really, really well. But in terms of putting everything together, I'm not hating on James Lowe or Jimmy O'Brien or Keith Earls, but I just genuinely believe that Mac Hansen is probably as important, even more important than those guys because he's playing with that rich vein of form at the moment that is crucial if you're going to go win a World Cup. You look at four years ago, Mpimpi and Colby were indefensible at times in that World Cup. Nehem Miller-Scudder and Richie Kahui, people may not remember them as much, but they were unbelievable for New Zealand in their two wins. And before that, I'm a bit too young to remember, but I know Habana had a good year in 2007 and England didn't really pass the ball in 2003. I can tell you that. But I think for Hansen, it's it's set up for him. You know, I really, really do. And I think going forward, I'd like to see him possibly try it at 15, you know, in case Hugo Keenan goes down, because I feel like it's it's a viable option. Now, it'd have to, ha- have to happen at Connick first, but that's certainly something that I think Andy Farrell could whisper in their ear. I just think he's he's ready. He is ready to say, I'm Mackenzie Hansen with the weird hairstyles and an unbelievable vein of confidence. And if Ireland are going to go all the way and if Ireland are going to compete, yeah, you need try scores. It's a it's a very blunt assessment, but you need guys who can link things up with everyone. You know, be it with Ringrose, be it with Crowley against Samoa, Jimmy O'Brien. You know, with his centers, he just he gets Ireland playing, and he is crucial to how Ireland play because especially when Ross Byrne is there. And Jack Crowley is there at 10. These guys don't have as much experience in the saddle. So, so to have someone to say, right, I'm right behind you. I'm on that backdoor option. Play it to me and I'll play that pass. Like, that's huge. You know, sometimes you just need the guy to say, right, you can lean on me for five minutes and I'll get the job done. And you, you don't win anything, anything in sports without players who are able to just put their hands up and say, I'll do it. And Matt Hansen's one of those players, in my opinion. And finally, my own second offering completes the set as I looked at our options at fullback. Right, now for Jersey 15. And apologies if my gushing over one Leinster player was too much for you, because I'm about to do some more. Much like we were as Bod was nearing retirement, when Rob Carney's got closer, we all wondered if we'd ever be able to replace him with someone as reliable. One thing is for sure. When us online rugby fan opinion-giving types were harping on the succession plan, we most certainly were not banding about the name of Hugo Keenan. But after starting and impressing on the wing, he went on to show all 
After starting and impressing on the wing, he went on to show us all that, even with quality alternatives that I'll get to later, there is literally no other starting option in the fullback position for Ireland. In fact, he's perilously close to being the first name on the team sheet at this stage. And it could be said that fullback is the one position where you'd most like to have a first name on the team sheet. Now, coming out of what was at the time a fledgling Irish Sevens program, as he did, it's clear that he must have wowed the Leinster and Ireland coaching tickets long before he wowed us for him to have leapfrogged his way into that starting jersey. And the results speak for themselves. Great under the high ball, strong defensively, able to not just join in attacking plays, but also find the most cutting running lines. Over the past few years, Hugo has played his way into conversations on the top test fullbacks in the world. There's really not that much more I can say other than he's as reliable as you can be for a position where reliability is key. Actually, I didn't mean for that to rhyme, but there you go. That must prove it even more than it's true, right? Anyway, rather than gush for even longer about him, let's talk about backup. If you were to select someone like for like to replace him in green, probably the best choice out there is Munster's Mike Haley. And as recently as the URC final, he showed just how well he can do in a big match situation. And of course, there's also Ulster's Mike Larry, who deserves an honorable mention. However, for a short tournament like the World Cup, where you can only bring 33, it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to bring two specialist fullbacks, which puts Haley at the top end of the list of those most unlucky to miss out. It's much better to bring versatile options, and it has to be said, this Irish squad has those in spades. I've already talked about Jimmy O'Brien and Keith Earls as options uh, for the 13 jumper, but they can also do a job at 15. Plus, there's Mac Hansen. They're all capable of filling the role. But as decent and all as those alternatives may be, I still have Hugo Keenan as one of the main players for which we'll have our fingers, our toes, and our eyes all crossed in the hope that he makes it all the way through the tournament in France and beyond it as well for Leinster, of course. So that said, many thanks again for all those uh, contributors for their amazing um, offerings. And uh, thanks to you for tuning in. Since it's not really new content, I won't give this a pod number in the series. We'll be back with our regular programming on Friday afternoon with our Romania preview. You can keep up with all our stuff at harpenonrugby.com. As ever, be sure to enjoy your rugby wherever you are.